0: Good morning, church. Thank you for that special. That was very much a blessing. Um, I've got to say, I was a bit worried. I didn't realize we were doing popcorn preaching. I've heard of the concept to be ready in season and out of season um, when we read the passage. I think I can form a message quickly in two minutes. <laughs> Um, It reminds me of a story. While I was at college, we had a student-run chapel service. And rather than having a message, what they did was they called up three of the seniors who had previously participated in the preaching competition there at the college. Um, They gave them a passage and gave them each two minutes to come up with a five, ten-minute sermon. I don't think I'm at that level yet, so let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're in the book of Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be reading... Verses 19 to 34. Um, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Hernan, for the invitation to come and preach. Um, It very much means a lot. I don't take this opportunity lightly. And to the church, thank you for just your welcoming spirit, your warmness. Um, It's been great to see some familiar faces, to get to know some new ones. Um, And yeah, just thank you for having us. I'm here with my sister, Sarah. Um, she's just over there. She is the Filipino girl with um, blonde <coughs> hair. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, thank you for having us. Um, just to put it out there, I'm not related to the Hulana clan. Um, we are from Southern Baptist Church. That's where Pastor... Hernan was before he came and moved up here. Um, for those who don't know me, I am. my name is Sam. Um, I started to full-time ministry back in 2019. It was following our young adult conference, True North Summit, that we co-host there with Faith Baptist Church. Um, following that, I was under internship at the church for two and a half years there in Southland. Um, in my second year, I commenced my studies. I was studying online at West Coast Baptist College And just back in August, I made the decision to make the move to continue my studies on campus there in Lancaster, California. Um, Again, as mentioned, I'm just back home for the holidays, so we'll be heading back um, in two weeks. So again, just thankful for the opportunity um, to be here. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're reading from verse 19. And the scriptures say here, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor dust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through, nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. In verse 33 it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of, its, of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. See, new beginnings, for example, we've just come into a new calendar year, can be both exciting and daunting at the same time. It provides opportunity for a fresh start, but also encompasses a new set of trials and challenges that are yet to come. We live in a time where much is in the unknown. There is much that is out of our control there's much to worry about. We all understand how the past couple years have been and how challenging it has been. And now coming out of the other end, there seems to be a glimpse of normality returning. Yet as we also know one boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. As such, it is easy to get sidetracked and overwhelmed by the cares of this life. As followers and ambassadors of Christ, we ought to seek to please God In service for him. What that requires is the forsaking of the cares of this world and a cleaving unto God. Though daunting, God promises to meet our every need. All we need to do is focus upon him. Though we ought to consider tomorrow and give much consideration unto eternity, God says to focus on today. What can be done today? God provides us ample opportunity for the day, yet seldom do we take it. God promises to provide our needs for the day, yet so often we take matters into our own hands. I love how it said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the Lord here speaking to Paul says, My grace is sufficient for thee. And as we look into our passage there in verse 34, it says, Take therefore no thought for, tomorrow, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof i've entitled my message sufficient for today sufficient for today let's open up in a word of prayer dearly father we just thank you for your goodness your grace your love and your mercy towards us lord we thank you for the opportunity to assemble here in your house to open up your word to study thereby and to grow therein lord i pray that you'll just calm my nerves i pray that um, As we search your scriptures, may this be as much of a blessing to those who will be hearing as much as it has been for me as I study this out. May you just get me out of the way and just allow me to express the message that you've laid upon my heart this morning, Lord. I pray that you'll just bless the rest of the service and bless the rest of our day. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So to get some context about this portion of scripture, we find here... Um, between chapters 5 and 7, it encompasses what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount has much to do with redefining Christian living and what it means to live the Christian life. Um, we'll see in chapter 5, it covers the Beatitudes, redefining some of the commandments and some of the social norms of the day. The beginning of this chapter, chapter 6, prior to the portion that we read, um, it deals with the hypocrisy in almsgiving and in prayer. It provides a great model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer, as well as touches on fasting and the proper means and manner to do so. The following chapter, chapter seven, reproves rash judgment towards one another and encourages us to seek the Lord through prayer. Christ also provides warnings against false prophets and expresses, and expresses the need for a firm foundation in the word. Now the portion of scripture that we just read in chapter six has much to do with perspective, with purpose and with focus. Verses 19 to 21 speaks on where you lay your treasures, whether they're laid upon the earth or laid up in heaven. This speaks on where your heart is, for um, that shows what your purpose is. We find a glimpse here of a juxtaposition between that which is eternal and that which is temporal, that which is heavenly, that which is earthly, that which has to do with today and that which has to do with eternity. Verses 22 to 23 talks about your worldview and your perspective, asking the question, where is your focus? For where your focus is there, that is where you shall dwell as well. Verse 24 speaks on which master you shall serve. Do you serve God or do you serve the riches of this life? And as we come into verses 25 to 34, it expounds upon a subject that can oftentimes rob us when living the Christian life. It's a thought of worry, of doubt, of the cares of this world. The Lord Jesus here begins with a remark to take no thought for your life, giving examples of such, um, such thoughts, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, and et cetera. Jesus then reminds us of that which really matters, for life is greater than just the food that you eat. The body is greater than just what you wear. He then gives Examples of God's provision as we see it in nature among us. You consider the fowls of the air and the manner in which God ensures that they are fed, in verse 26. Verse 28 says to consider the lilies of the field, how they're grown, yet they labour not for its own growth. You consider the grass, how God clothes them, and yet they're cast into the fire the very next day. Thus, in verse 32, it tells that we are to lean upon God, knowing that God knows all of our needs, and what a comforting truth that is. As we come to verse 34, a familiar verse to many, it tells us, this, tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And verse 34 concludes the thought on the sentiment of focusing on today rather than on tomorrow. Now, this is not in neglect of tomorrow, but rather in a refocusing on today and what can be done today. This thought is succinctly summarized by a verse from the Apostle Paul. Please turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll read here from verse 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, it says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And in verse 9 it says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. In speaking of his testimony and the manner in which the Lord kept his humility, the Apostle Paul wrote this See, the devil was working in his mind, building him up in pride. But what the Lord does here to keep him in humility is he gives him a reminder that his grace is sufficient for thee. No matter what trials or troubles we face, the grace of God is sufficient to meet it. My first point for this morning is simply purpose. What is our purpose? As we go back to to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, we see here the first step is to align our focus. We must define what is our purpose in the Christian life. In verse 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt." And where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The question is who do we seek to serve and to please? Do we seek to serve ourselves, to please ourselves, or do we seek to serve God and bring honor and glory to his name? It is often said a tree is known by the fruit in which it produces. So do we seek to produce fruit that is of the world or of God? What kind of fruit do we produce? Is it God-honoring or is it honoring self? When someone sees you, do they see Christ? Do they see an ambassador of Christ? Or do they see just another person in the world? Where is your identity? It says there in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verses 19 to 21 speaks on the fact that everyone has treasures in this life. Everyone has something that they can bestow upon the Lord, that they can use for the furtherance of the kingdom. See, God has gifted everyone gifts, talents, possessions, abilities and opportunities, all of which can be used for the glory of God. A talent or a possession can be utilised in the ministry, a relationship that can then turn into a witnessing opportunity. Maybe the Lord brings someone um, to, into your life who will never hear another presentation of the gospel do we take that opportunity every single day? The question lies in where do we offer these gifts and talents to? Where do we lay our treasures? Do we lay our treasures upon the earth or up in heaven? In these verses, we find a juxtaposition between the temporal and the eternal, those things which refer to having an impact for eternity and those that do not. It speaks with regards to our time here on earth or our time in heaven. Though the temporal can be important, we must not let that come in the way of that which is for eternity. Eternity can affect our own eternity that starts with salvation and choosing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. But not only that, it can affect the eternity of someone else. Sharing the gospel to them, witnessing to them, so they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, one to three says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. As followers of Christ, we must look to what Christ's main purpose was. What are these eternal matters that we ought to look to? What are these eternal things that we ought to give priority? In Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, Christ came to seek and to save those lost in sin, to see them come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, we ought to do the same to see the lost one for Christ. We ought to take every opportunity we can to witness to people, whether they be friends, family, neighbours, Workmates, we ought to do what we can to see them one for Christ. We often look to the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to twenty, with regards to outreach and soul winning, where it says in verse nineteen, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." See, the Great Commission did not command us to save the lost from sin, did not command us to convict them, because that's not our ministry. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts the soul. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who, giving himself on the cross, it is through the shedding of his blood that we have remissions for sins and that we are saved from our sins. We are merely to preach the gospel. We are merely to share the gospel to those around us. In addition, the Lord seeks for us to become more like Christ. In Second Peter 3:18, it says, "But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. See, as we grow to become more like Christ, it is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And thus, as we live the Christian life, we ought to offer treasures We offer treasures either upon the earth or up in heaven. Do we seek to fulfill these purposes that the Lord has given to us? We have been given a commandment to go, and, to go and preach the gospel, but do we truly fulfill it? All that we do ought to be viewed through the paradigm of where our treasures will be laid. As we lay our treasures in heaven before the Lord, we identify ourselves with him. Again, in verse 21, it tells us where we lay our treasure, there is where our heart shall be also. Thus, in laying our treasures up in heaven, we identify ourselves with Christ. We identify ourselves with God. So again, the question is, when someone sees you, do they see Christ? If not, what can we do to make sure that we are making that impact for eternity? We must realign our focus to God and seek to serve and please him. He seeks for us to grow in grace and become more like him. And in addition, God has given us a command to go into the world and preach the gospel. Let us make our impact for eternity and seek to serve God. Remember, it's not just our eternity that's on the line, it's the eternity of those around us. May we do what we can to make an impact in that regard. So, my first point was what is our purpose? Secondly, what is the perspective that we take? What is our perspective? As we go back into Matthew chapter 6, as it says here in verse 22 the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? With our purpose established, we must remain focused and steadfast upon it. In verses 22 to 24, the Lord Jesus speaks on the importance of the eye, the importance of one's perspective, and in keeping a singleness of mind. And that is my 1st subpoint sub-point here, the singleness of mind. Are we wholeheartedly committed to God's way? Are we wholeheartedly committed to God's way? It is said the light or the lamp of the body is the eye. The light or the lamp is what guides our steps. It's what reveals what's before us. As we walk the Christian walk, it guides our steps, knowing where we're Walking. And as the eyes guide our step, it is important that we have a singleness of mind. Singleness in this verse refers to a simplicity and a clarity of sight, a soundness in looking, in looking a simple way. It denotes a singleness in purpose, and that purpose is to serve God. Philippians three thirteen to fourteen puts it in this fashion: "Brethren, I cannot myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do." Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. With each action, there is clear intention. There is clear intention towards the single mark. The inverse of this would be looking in two ways or working with ulterior motives and intentions, a double-mindedness. And we understand. I believe it's in James. Um, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, verse 24 outlines the dangers of serving two masters. The result of two masters is a hatred for one and a love for the other. It's a holding and a cleaving to one and a compromise on the other. It's an adherence to one and a compromise on the other. In this instance, Jesus here is... Using the example of labouring for God or in labouring for riches, one cannot do both. We must have a singleness of mind. A singleness of mind denotes a focus, a purpose, and our continual pushing towards it. We must follow after God's way in utter obedience, having this singleness of mind. See, such purpose necessitates. Necess- such purpose necessitates a singleness of mind, but also it necessitates a soundness of mind. A soundness of mind. Are we seeing things God's way? That's my 2nd subpoint. In verses 22 to 23, Jesus speaks in terms of seeing light and dark. It says there, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And in verse 23 it says... If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. See, when you're in the dark, it is incredibly easy to take a wrong step, to fumble at times, to make mistakes, for your vision is not clear. A singleness of of sight denotes a clarity. The evil eye or the unclear eye is obstructed in its way. Being full of light ensures that we are walking with the Lord in the manner that is pleasing to him. So the question, not viewing things God's way, or do we see things our own way? More often than not, viewing things God's way is contrary to that which is natural for us. Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts. Than your thoughts. Oftentimes it is against the norm to see things God's way. It's not natural to do so, but we must be accustomed to it. We must endeavour to take on the godly perspective rather than the worldly perspective. One of the greatest examples of this is the perspective we take when we're faced with trouble and adversity. Someone once told me you can tell those that are walking with the Lord based on if they have a gratitude attitude. It's incredibly easy to focus on the negatives, those things that we don't have, those things that are going wrong, all the issues and problems of life. It's harder to focus on all the positives, to be grateful for the little that you do have, to see everything that is going well, to see the solutions and opportunities as you tackle life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, it says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. Let us not view the troubles of this life as things to endure, but instead we ought to see them as opportunities to see God come through, to see opportunities for God to provide, and to see his working in our life. We understand that God's ways are higher than our ways at first glance. And at times we can come to trials that we do not understand at at first glance. There are things that the Lord will bring us through that we don't understand. He'll give opportunities where you question the timing when you've been asking for this for so long and now it's being provided when it seems at the worst possible timing. Yet we have comfort knowing that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We have comfort in knowing that he's all-powerful and he's in control at all times. May we continue to lean upon him. In every aspect of the Christian life, we ought to maintain the right perspective. We ought to ensure that we have that singleness of mind, but also that we have the soundness of mind. So firstly, we have purpose. My second point was perspective. Thirdly, we have provision. God's provision in our passage as we read from verse 25 to 32, it says here, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them unto his stature. And why take ye thought for raiment, Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. See, firstly, we have established our purpose to serve the Lord and bring glory and honor to his name. Nextly, we have endeavored to remain focused, ensuring we have singleness and soundness of mind, being wholeheartedly focused on him and seeing things his way. Now Jesus gets to the main crux of our text for today, the concerns about worrying, the concerns about taking the cares of this life. See, we have established that the Christian life is one lived for God, but also with God on our side. Oftentimes we forget about the almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Father who's there with us every step of the way. Too often when issues arise, our first response is to take things into our own hands. And oftentimes the last thing we do is bring our burdens before the Lord, the one who can truly bear them. See, we treat God as a spare tire, our last resort. We only treat him when things go awry, when it's, at, when it's beyond our power, beyond our control. We treat it as a last resort. It's never our first instinct, but that's what it ought to be. In actuality, he ought to be our first instinct, the one we give the first report to. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, just a couple chapters later. Matthew chapter 11, and a familiar passage for many of us. Matthew chapter 11, and verse 28 to 30. And verse 28, it says, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This verse is a perfect picture of God coming alongside us in times of need. The picture of a yoke sees two oxen come alongside each other as they plow the field. One oxen was deemed as the stronger and the other deemed as the weaker. And they were connected by the yoke. As they ploughed the field, the stronger ox would ease the load for the weaker ox, allowing the weaker ox to grow stronger day by day. You would not yoke a strong ox with a strong ox or a weak ox with a weak ox. And in this picture, we see God as our strong ox. He will come alongside us and help Us bear the burden. Now it's important to note that for the weaker ox there was still responsibility there. Yet it was a lightened load with the aid of the stronger ox, the weaker ox still had to pull his weight. See, sometimes we all that we need to do is come unto God who will give us that load that is easy. Give us his easy yoke, his light burden. But in doing so, we ought to continue to endeavour for him, to labour for him in that we still have the responsibility to do so. But there's a great promise, as God promises us new mercies every day, for his grace is sufficient for us. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See, the grace of God bestowed upon us is only sufficient for the day. Yet God promises us new mercies for each and every morning. And why is that? It's because he is faithful. So often we fail him, we fumble, we make mistakes, we forsake him, yet each and every time he is faithful to us. And that ought to be a comfort to our souls. May we lean upon the provision of God for the day See, the premise in his grace being sufficient for the day, it shows that we ought to focus on today. Not to neglect tomorrow. We still have to keep that in thought. But our main focus is for today. What is there for us to do today? May we lean upon the provisions of God for today. May we seek to labor for him today. Because his grace is sufficient for us. And his grace is sufficient for the day. Are we leaning on the provision of God or are we seeking to take things in our own hands? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. First Peter 5 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. When troubles arise, may we come before God and cast our burdens upon him. I often like to say that prayer is a forfeiture of our own efforts in favor of the power of God, knowing he is greater than we are. He is more powerful than we are. He is greater than us in every aspect. All we need to do is come unto him and surrender the burden to him and allow him to handle it. So you ought to surrender the matter to him and have faith that God will handle it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's much to know that God can handle it. There's even more for us to put things into his hand. To come before him, cast our cares upon him, and say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I need your help. Knowing that he, is, he cares for us, he loves us so much that he sees it through. And he is powerful enough to see it through. May we not treat God and prayer as our last resort, but instead as our first report. Another question is, are you trusting in the, prov- in the providence of God? Are you trusting in the providence of God? To surrender the, matter of this, the matters of this life to God does not come without its doubts. Verses 25 to 31 shows God's providence as he protects and provides for all. In verse 25, we are commanded to take no thought for our lives. This, focuses on, this focus on the temporal is not beneficial. We ought to realign our focus to the eternal matters, to that which impacts eternity. God states that the eternal is more important. Let us not treat it under the temporal. Verse 27 expresses this in a succinct manner. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, it says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? To worry and doubt will not lengthen one's stature, to extend one's life journey. Worry and doubt do nothing to see benefit. Instead, we must trust the Lord, be patient, and keep the main thing the main thing. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Sometimes the answer God gives us to the concerns of life are not what we hoped for, are not what we had in mind. It is in those, time, in those times may we trust God knowing he knows what is best for us. Let us not trust our own understanding, but instead trust in the prov- on the provision of God to provide and guide the way. So not only are we trusting in the providence of God, but are we wallowing in the challenges or seeking comfort in the provisions of God? Are we seeking comfort in the provisions of God? See, as we read verse 27, it shows the effects of one who worries. There is no benefit to the matter. Yet conversely, in verse 32, it says there in the later part of the verse, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. There's a great comfort in knowing that an almighty God knows your every need and is all powerful enough to meet it every time. May we give any cares or burdens to the Lord and allow him to handle the rest. May we come to God as a first instinct. May we be surrendered to him and trusting in his provision. So firstly, we had purpose. What is our purpose? Secondly, what perspective are we taking? Thirdly, are we resting in the provision of God? And fourthly, are we producing for the Lord? Are we producing? Verses 33 and 34 of Matthew chapter 6 are very familiar for us. It says here, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Leaning upon God's provision does not negate the necessity of duty and producing for the Lord. Verse 33 starts with a command from God, seek ye first, there is an action there. This denotes both a responsibility to labor for the Lord, but also a priority in doing so. We must do it first and foremost. As was mentioned before, the two main purposes of the church is to reach the lost and see the saints grow in the Lord. May we be good stewards and labour to accomplish this to the glory of God. Again, the question is asked, what opportunities do you have to reach the lost that others do not? Each of us have lost friends and family that may not know any other saved believers. Maybe we are the one point of contact they have to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every encounter is an investment in eternity, so we must make the most of it. What gifts and talents do you have that that can be used for the glory of God? We ought not to let them go to waste. The Lord has bestowed them to us. May we be good stewards of it. May we give first priority to the work of the Lord. If we seek to live for the Lord and after his kingdom, we are promised the provision of God and all the other aspects shall take care of themselves. Are we keeping the main thing the main thing, or are we allowing trivial things to take our focus instead? It's interesting to note as we read verse 33, oftentimes it's viewed through the lens of serving the Lord and seeking after him first and foremost. And yet, in addition, within the context of the passage, it actually speaks on a trust and faith that we ought to have in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Father. See, we ought to seek first the kingdom of God, trusting God will take care of all the other worries that we may have. We need not worry about the affairs of this life, for they are in the hand of God. And because they're in the hand of God, we may seek the kingdom of God first and foremost. For we know that he is over and above all, he is always in control and that's a great comfort to have. I know speaking from personal experience, as I made the decision to go up to college to move to the States, there are many concerns that came to mind, ministry concerns, friends and family, people that I cared about so much. Yet I knew in the back of my mind, the Lord was calling me overseas to continue my training. And I remember just sitting there in the auditorium of our church, just praying on my knees after having heard the Lord call me to make the move. And I wanted to make sure that everything at home was taken care of before I left. If you know, the current circumstances of the church we were going through quite a bit of a transition time. And knowing all that was going on, I didn't want to leave at first. I want to stay and see it through and maybe go off in the future. But what I knew in my heart was that the Lord was calling me to make the move now. So what you do is you surrender those things to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm casting my burdens upon you. I'm taking that step of faith. Please take care of it. And the great comfort is knowing that they have been taken care of by the Lord and by his providence and his grace and his mercy and his care and love When you seek the kingdom first, the Lord will take care of all the other parts. God has given us the actions to take, the first steps to take. It's just up to us to take that first step of faith. See, God's grace is sufficient for the day. In laboring for the Lord and seeking after his will, God will only reveal to us as much as we need to know in the moment. Many times we are of the planning mindset, we wanna know every single step of the way before taking the first step. But that's not how faith works. That's not how the will of God works. God will give us the first steps to take by faith, and he will wait until we take those steps to reveal the next steps, because that's where true faith lies. It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Thus, it is up to us to take that first step of obedience. And thereafter, will the Lord reveal more to us. The Apostle Paul, in 12, verse 9, God reiterates to the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. There will be some trials that we ought to face that may seem too heavy a burden to carry. Yet in our weakness, God strengthens us and God's strengthening is made perfect. It is in our weakness that God's strengthening is made perfect. See, God's grace is sufficient for today, but it's only for today. This grace for today is not for tomorrow. The grace of yesterday is not for next week. The grace for today is sufficient for today. But not only that, that comes with the promise that his mercies are new every day. So may we take the opportunity to make the most of the opportunities today. May we wholeheartedly labour for today, for God's grace is sufficient for today. So again, firstly, we have what is our purpose? It's to serve the Lord. Two, what is the perspective that we're taking? Is that of God? Are we seeing things God's way? Do we see the problems and issues, or do we see the opportunities to see God's working? Are we leaning upon the provisions of God, for we know that He will take care of all that we have. All we ought to do is cast our burdens to him and come unto him. And lastly, are we producing for the Lord? Are we laboring for him? Are we giving him first priority? And are we taking those first steps of faith? For we know that the grace of God is sufficient for today and is new every morning. I pray that was a blessing for you. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your grace and mercy towards us. Lord, we thank you that you're all loving You care for us and you are one that we can rely on, that we can trust and we can have faith. Lord, as we seek to live the Christian life, may we glean upon you, may we lean upon you, may we trust in your provision, Lord, and seek your kingdom first. Lord, a new You gives us new opportunities to have a fresh start, to reevaluate things, and to take these next steps. May we endeavor to seek after You, Lord, to seek You first and foremost, Lord. Lord, I thank You for Your Word, that we can grow thereby, and that You seek to have a relationship with us, Lord. I pray that may we apply these truths to our lives, Lord. Father, we love You, we thank You, and pray all these things in Your name. Amen.